0: I want to uh, I want to start talking about something new, uh, a different, different, uh, a different topic, and and present a few lessons on it. I want to talk about realized eschatology, and indeed, as we've already read in John chapter eight, the truth sets us free, and it sets us free from from sin and from the enslavement of false doctrines and false teachers. Realized eschatology is uh, the the idea that that all the prophecies in the Bible are fulfilled, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. When Beth and I and the kids were in Mount Dora, Florida, there was a young man preaching there. We asked him to come and work with us and had a good reputation, but he got involved and realized eschatology somehow and began to teach that, and none of us knew what it was, and as a matter of fact, we didn't even know that was what he was teaching on. He was just teaching lessons. And and I don't think he was doing it to be malicious or anything. And maybe he got caught up in it and everything and, and was bringing it to us and teaching, and it just caused a lot of problems. Webb Harris today no longer believes that Jesus is a son of God and no longer has anything to do with the church. Of the members there, some of us studied the truth and were strengthened by it. Some of them stumbled and have not returned to the Lord as of yet. This study is important because there are brethren who are stumbling over this topic. Recently, Beth and I were visiting with uh, some friends, some some folks she had lived with shortly after becoming a Christian, and they now live in Alabama. And as we were just talking and chatting, uh, this came up somehow. And he made the point there are congregations dividing today that he personally knows of over over this very topic. And so because of that, I thought it would be good for us to have some lessons on on what this is. Realized eschatology means the fulfillment of final things, that all things have been fulfilled, including final judgment, that the judgment has already taken place, and that all of these final things prophesied in the Bible took place at the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. There are other terms that this goes by. Fulfilled eschatology or covenant eschatology. When people start messing with the covenant, you better watch out. Transmillennialism, preterism, and there's a full preterism or partial preterism, and kingism because it was Max King who came up with this as far as bringing it and teaching it in the churches of Christ a few uh, years ago in the early 70s anyway. Well, the doctrine dates back to the 17th century. Now, in, uh, for the sake of full disclosure, I want you to know that people who believe this believe that it goes back to the 1st century. Uh, but that's certainly not the case, and you can, you can read the historical writings of early brethren, you know that's not the case, but they do make uh, pre- uh, 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 present that it goes back to the 1st century. is not the case. The earliest that we can date it back to is the 17th century. And uh, I would try to say the guy's name, some foreign guy. I, I wouldn't even try to do that because I, I wouldn't do it right anyway. But but he came up with this idea that all the things prophesied in the Bible, all the final things that are supposed to happen at the very end, that they have all occurred. And uh, this, though, was really latched onto, especially by the Roman Catholic Church, because there are many who interpret the book of Revelation as regarding... Roman Catholicism, and the Pope. And so for this idea to come forward that all of this stuff was done before Roman Catholicism started, that was a good thing for the Roman Catholic Church. So they really grasped onto this thinking that it helped them out. So it goes back to the 17th century. Max King, in the early 70s, came out with a book, and he preached for Churches of Christ for some 40 years. And he wrote a book, The Spirit of Prophecy, And it presented this idea. Now this has been preached about. It's been written about in publications. As a matter of fact, Harry Osborne did a lesson in 2002 on this. And his slides are on our website. I looked at that. Those look good. And we're going to go into a little bit more detail than what he went into with his lesson. Probably the term for this doctrine uh, with, with Christians more than any other term is the 70 A.D. Doctrine. And this is because that, that the idea is that all of these things happened in 70 A.D. Uh, the resurrection, the final judgment, the saints going to be with the Lord, uh, the, 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 uh, um, uh, those who had died living in sin are uh, cast in the hell, all of that occurred at 70 A.D. Um, they take, just so you know, all of the teaching from the Book of Revelation, that all occurred in seventy A.D., and all the teaching in Daniel relating to the end times—all of that took place in seventy A.D. Um, now, now, this is a very perverse doctrine. You, you know, you may say uh, uh, that's ridiculous. You know, we know that the final resurrection hadn't taken place, and all this stuff. So, this ridiculous. Why waste time on this? Well, I tell you why. Because this has been a, a topic or an issue that have caused brethren problems from the first century. And it has shaken brethren and they have fallen away as a result of it. like I told you from where we went to church in Mount Dora, I have some very good friends who fell away over this very same thing who have not been able to get their act together since then. And so, so some of the things I'll mention to you in just a little bit, some of the conclusions that if these things are true, some of the conclusions that you draw, I mean, it's just numerous, the sins that result from it and the false doctrines. Let's go first of all to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want, you, I want to point out that, that brethren were, stun, were, were dealing with this in the first century. And Paul writes these brethren in Thessalonica, and someone had come to them preaching this doctrine that the resurrection was already past, And it was causing them a problem. And Paul says, look, don't you remember I told you that the apostasy was going to happen and, 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 and this was the, going to happen, this and that. And he says, says, don't believe this, don't be shaken, but they were having to deal with this. Let's read verses 1 and 2 of 2 Thessalonians 2. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Now you'll remember First Thessalonians chapter 1, that's when Jesus Christ comes in the clouds with the angels and, and, and the saints who are upon the earth rise up to be with him and take him back to, back to heaven to be with him forever. He said, now regarding that, verse 2, That you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. In other words there were people teaching that the Lord had come and that the final resurrection had come about and he says I don't want you to be shaken whether it's some spirit or some letter, someone pretending to be one of us writing you about this false doctrine, I don't want you to be shaken by this. This is not true. Well, the point is, this was causing brethren trouble in the first century. And it causes brethren trouble today, and that's why we want to take time and look at it. Those who teach such a doctrine, just to remind us, I'm not going to go into all that, Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9, these brethren are accursed who are teaching this. And of those who believe it, that they have deserted God and they're severed from Christ and fallen from grace. This is not one of these issues where you can just have your own opinion and it doesn't affect anything or anybody. That's not one of these issues. Because it greatly affects people and people are losing their soul Their souls over it. Now I want to talk just a little bit about the sin that results from these doctrines. And I don't know if Max King taught all of these things or not. But I do personally know these are conclusions that brethren draw from this doctrine. Turn your Bibles with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If it is true that all these things are done and that the Lord has come, the Lord is not to come anymore. All of that's over with. The resurrection's over with, the judgment's over with, everything's done. Well, if that's the case, then we should not partake of the Lord's Supper. Because I want you to know what chapter 11 and verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So if the Lord is... Now the reasoning is this, and this this is faulty on a number of levels, uh, including... The understanding of the word until, which they totally messed that up. But this is the reasoning behind it. If the Lord has come and we're to observe the Lord's Supper until he comes, then we're not to do it anymore. So churches and individuals who have have grasped this doctrine, have taken this doctrine, then reason, well, there's no reason to take the Lord's Supper because we're only to do it until he comes and he's already come. So we don't do that anymore. Now, down in verses 27 through 32, just to remind you, you know, if Satan in any way can get us to believe that we're not to partake of the Lord's Supper anymore, well, well, we're doomed to eternal damnation because of that because look at what happens when when we don't even partake of it right, much less don't take of it at all. And without reading all of that, just look at verse 30. For this reason, many of you are weak and sick and a number sleep. In other words, they weren't partaking of the Lord's Supper the right way, so people were spiritually dying because of that. And you can imagine if you were to get it out out of a church completely. And you think of other religions, and you think of some of the denominations, and partake of it once a month, once a quarter, once a year, the less frequent, the better as far as Satan is concerned. And if you never partake of it, that's even better. And look also at verse 32. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned. You see, partaking of the Lord's Supper in the wrong way results in condemnation. And certainly not taking of it at all is going to result in condemnation because we do not have what we need as Christians to stay strong and to grow and to mature and to fight the good fight, all that stuff, we don't have what we need. We need this spiritual nourishment from partaking of the Lord's Supper. Well, this doctrine of realized eschatology, or final things all being fulfilled in 70 A.D., results in wiping out the Lord's Supper. Go with me also to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. and Let me pull out just one more. And, and simply, at this point, I'm not wanting to bring up everything and all the conclusions that come from this, but just to make, make it evident to all of us this is very, very serious. This, this isn't just some personal opinion you can have and go on and it's, and, and it's not going to hurt anybody or anything. It's not one of those things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 24, if the Lord has already come and the judgment has already, already passed... And and, and and all that is done, then Jesus does not rule over God's kingdom any longer. Now, now, if you can get people to believe that Jesus is not ruling any longer, well, here is a church. We're assembled together as a church, but Jesus isn't ruling over us. You know, that, that's a very perverse thing. Verse 15, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 24. Then comes the end. Now remember, realize eschatology thinks the end is past. It's all gone a long time ago. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. So, So the idea of this, the end has already come, and so Jesus has already handed over the kingdom, so he's not ruling over the kingdom any longer. And then look at verse 28. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him so that God may be all in all. And so Jesus has handed over the kingdom to the Father. He no longer reigns. Jesus does not reign. All things have been handed over to him. So, get this, you don't have to obey Jesus because he's not reigning anymore. He's not head of the church anymore. So you don't have to obey Jesus. Now, now let me just share with you a few other conclusions here. If Jesus is not ruling over the kingdom any longer, then the gospel is not in effect any longer. The gospel. Well, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Jesus Christ. Well, if he has handed the kingdom over to the Father, then the gospel is no longer in effect, and therefore we are not saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ any longer. Well, what are you saved by? Well, maybe they go back to the moral code, pre-law of Israel. But it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're no longer saved by that. And if Jesus does not rule over the kingdom any longer, we do not have to assemble with the saints any longer. And we do not live under the law of Christ any longer. And we do not have to obey the word of God any longer. You see how that's just a domino effect. If Jesus is no longer ruling over the kingdom and judgment is passed, so guess what? We're not gonna be judged because it's already passed. Realize eschatology is an extremely perversive doctrine that results in sin in many areas. Now, for the rest of the night, and, and what I've chosen to do, because I know this is very complex is to take small chunks. So I've got one more point in the lesson tonight. And what I want to leave you with before we conclude, and we're going to look still at about six or eight scriptures tonight, is I want to show you that just on the surface, there's no way this doctrine is true. Absolutely no way that it's true. And if we simply want to go to the scriptures, the simple truth of the scriptures, we can see this is not true. Then in lessons to come up, I want to take some of the components and I want us to examine some of the phrases and the buzzwords so that if you're ever approached by it, you ever hear someone start talking about this, you know immediately I know where this is going. So I want to familiarize you with that. And uh, I, I, quite honestly, I've, I've got a basic roadmap of these things, but I don't know how many lessons we're going to be talking about. It could be, could be a couple more so. First of all, I want to make the point that whenever there is a doctrine such as this, almost always we see immediate contradictions with basic scripture. Let me give you some examples. One of the doctrines of Calvinism is that a baby is born in sin because it inherits the sin of Adam. Well, Ezekiel chapter 18 verses 4 and 20 tell us plainly that nobody inherits anybody's sin it's very easy to understand no we do not inherit anybody's sin we do not inherit the sin of Adam we are not born with anybody's sin of course there's other scriptures that would talk about that especially Jesus who says we must repent and become like little children if little children are sinners then we're all going to hell you see it just doesn't make sense let me give you another example we don't have to be baptized to be saved. A doctrine that started with the Gnostics and then was adopted by Reformed denominations, Lutheran and Calvin and others. And it's very simple. You look at Mark 16, 16, He who believes and has been baptized shall be saved. Do you have to be baptized? Of course you do. And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse, verse, um, verse 21, that there's an antitype which now saves us, namely baptism. So this doctrine that you don't have to be baptized to be saved is ridiculous. Just looking at some simple scriptures. Let me give you one more example. That God has predestined some people to be lost in hell and there's nothing they can do about it. You know, Calvinism, that's part of that doctrine. The other one is he's predestined some to go to heaven and there's nothing they can do about that. But the bad part of that is... That God chose some people to go to hell and there's nothing they can do about it. But then 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 tells us that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So who are you going to believe? Simple Bible scripture or some false doctrine? Realize eschatology is like this. There are just some very plain Bible scriptures that would show us there's just no way this is true. And that's what I want to look at right now. And then in some future lessons we'll look at some of the particulars so you're a little more familiar with the doctrine. Let's go first of all to John chapter 5. And here is John teaching. And uh, I mean, here's Jesus teaching as recorded by John. John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. And Jesus is talking here about the resurrections. He says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Now he says, All those who are in the tomb. That's not going to leave anybody in the tomb. Well, you know as well as I do, we, there are corpses in tombs today. You know, sometimes we exhume those bodies. You might have seen it on TV or the news or something. Sometimes they're exhumed. We know they are there. And uh, and you know what? We're adding more and more to tombs every day. Now, realize that eschatology says this is all done away with. I mean, everything that's prophesied in the Bible is already complete. There is not one thing you can find in the Bible that's not already happened. That's this 70 AD doctrine. Well, I don't think that's true. We know there are bodies in, b- b- bodies in these tombs. But let's go on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And you'll remember here, Paul is telling us, he's prophesying of the end times when Jesus would come again. We read already about in in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 some people were shaken there, some brethren in Thessalonica because a false teacher had come to them and said these things are already passed and Paul said, look, that's not true, don't believe that. Notice with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. Now realize this, Christology says well, everything is done, away, is done with. It's all happened. And, and you know what? We're, we're still here on the earth, aren't we? We've not risen up to be with the Lord. This is something that has not been fulfilled because we are here standing on the earth today. Go with me also to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 24. You may be asking yourself, well, that, this is so plain. How do they deal with this? Well, I'll tell you real quickly, and this is really the first point of our next lesson, what you do is you develop a different hermeneutic, you know. And, 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 and you know, if you can take a hermeneutic or, or a method of interpreting the Bible, you can make the Bible say whatever you want to say. And so, and so the hermeneutic that they, that they have developed is this. All these other things that seem to be contradictory, they're spiritual. Spiritual. You know, that's almost, like, uh, that's almost like when you talk with someone who says who doesn't believe you have to be baptized to be saved and you point out Romans chapter 6 verse 3 and 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21 and things like that, they say, oh, that, that's a symbol. <laughs> so where does that say that in the Bible? Somebody please show me it doesn't say that. You know, but that's their hermeneutic. That's their method of interpretation and they adopt the wrong method of interpretation and you can excuse anything you want to in the Bible. So that's what they've done. All right, let's look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24. Then comes the end. We read this already, but look at it again. When he hands over the kingdom of God the Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. Now, we know this has, this has not happened. All rule has not been abolished, and all authority has not been abolished, and all power has not been abolished. And we know that because we live in the United States of America. And we have a president, and we have a Congress, and we have laws. We know this is not true. This has not happened yet. All right, let's go a little bit further. Go down to verse 54. Verse 54. And again, talking about the end. Of- of all things, but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, for what we're talking about. There is a day coming where there will no longer be any sin, and there will no longer be any death. There won't be any more death because there won't be any more sin. We know there is still sin, and there is still death. That day has not come yet where there will be no more sin, The day has not come yet where there will be no more death. Death is something we deal with all the time. And so this hasn't been fulfilled yet. So realize eschatology can't be true. Let's look at two more. Hebrews, go with me over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 27. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken. Now, he's talking about here, uh, verse 28, he's talking about kingdoms. And he's talking about there is yet a future shaking. And there's only one kingdom that is going to survive this shaking, and that is the unshakable kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. All other kingdoms are going to fall. Uh, keep on going a little bit with me a little bit. Removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God as a consuming fire. Now, what's being said here is that there is a day coming where there is going to be a shaking where all kingdoms are going to be destroyed except the one that cannot be destroyed. That's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We know this hasn't come about yet because, again, we live in the United States of America. There is a kingdom here on earth. We know about it. Now, one day this kingdom is going to be shaken. And it's going to be destroyed. And there's no created things, verse 27, there's no created kingdoms that are going to survive this shaking, but they're still here. We know this has not occurred yet. One more, and somewhat similar here, is 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, this is the prophecy of the physical destruction of the world. And we know that's not happened yet. Uh, we'll begin in verse 6. Again, uh, let's start in verse 5 to get our start. For when they maintained this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. Now, I'm, I want to call to your attention. Those that we would study with, um, particularly the Jehovah's Witness, they they don't think this is true. They they don't think this is true at all. And I want you to notice we're talking about physical things here. Verse 5 is about physical. Verse 6 is about physical. God destroyed, physically destroyed the earth with water. And now he's making a parallel here. Verse 7. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. Well, what do you mean the present? He's talking about physical. Being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now, they think that's all past. That this judgment, destruction of ungodly men, that is all past. Go down to verse 10. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. We know this has not happened. This is talking about physical destruction, just like the flood. And, the, and God is going to destroy, physically destroy the earth again. And this time it's not with water, but it's with fire. And we know that has not happened yet. Again, these contradictions are dismissed by those who uh, advocate realized eschatology. Well, that's all just spiritual. That's all spiritual. Not talking about physical things, not talking about literal things. That's just all spiritual. And we'll talk about this, uh, this hermeneutic uh, in the next lesson, Lord willing. But what I want to leave you with tonight is just an idea of what this is 70 AD doctrine that everything is done. Everything in the Bible has been fulfilled, and the end times things fulfilled at 70 AD with the destruction of Jerusalem. It was all taken care of. Nothing, whether it be the book of Revelation or the things later in that, da- none of that is still to be done. That's all done. And uh, I want to leave you with the idea of the perversity of this doctrine—that it's just not a personal opinion we can have, and 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 it's just okay. And also, I want to leave you with the idea that there's no way this can be true. Absolutely no way. And so we'll continue on, look into things a little bit more deeply, look at the buzzwords and phrases so that if you ever hear it, you'll know exactly where this is coming from because I'll tell you something and I'll stop. Individuals who bring forth doctrines like this, they don't come up and they don't say, look, I'm going to tell you something that's going to shake your faith. And I'm going to tell you something and teach you something that brethren are dividing over and that there's some people that they've lost their souls over this. That, that there's brethren right here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that they were being shaken over and they were falling. I'm only to teach you this, doctrine. They don't come in that way. They sneak it in a little bit at a time, just as the Apostle Peter talks about in 2 Peter chapters 1 and 2. So we have to watch out and know what's going on. All right, appreciate your kind attention. Lord willing, we'll continue later on. Let's get our songbooks out. We'll offer the invitation number 588. I'll live on. The day is yet coming in which the Lord will return. He'll bring with him all those in Christ Jesus who are asleep, those who have passed away, and those of us who remain here upon the earth. If it were to happen right now, all of us as Christians, we would rise up to be with the Lord, and we will live on. Isn't that a great concept? I know you think about it like I do. Isn't it wonderful to know that you are immortal? Isn't that what people want? And you are. Immortal as a Christian. Well, if you're not a Christian, you can put on Christ and look forward to that day to live on forever. What must you do? Believing in Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, repenting of your sins. What? What does that mean? It just means turning away from the wrong to do those things that the Lord would have you to do. Make your confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You'll be washed in the blood of the Lamb, made a child of God. And you too will live on. If we can help you at all tonight, why not you come to the front as we stand and sing.